Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Laura shares her path from Eastern Europe to a top target uni in London. We learn how she broke into investment banking, how she survived with ADHD, and eventually how she broke into one of the top growth equity teams at a mega fund. Enjoy. Okay, Laura, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Hi. So it would be awesome if you could give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Sure. I work at a um, large private equity fund in Europe, but I am in the growth equity team. We can get into that later. Prior to that, I did technology investment banking at a European uh, bank. And prior to that, I was uh, in college. Awesome. So back in college, did you know investment banking was your calling in private equity or there was of course i've known ever ever since i was born of course yeah, yeah. It, it looked because it looks like you you know you were an accounting major and yeah so just you, a straight line um you have family in it or anything or who who taught you who told you about it who, or anything or nothing you know it's it's a funny story because actually i've always so i grew up in eastern europe and I always wanted to study in the U.S., so I applied to U.S. colleges, and I wanted to do econ because I loved econ in high school, and um, it turned out to be too expensive, so when it came to actually me going, we realized, right, it's just not going to happen, and I hadn't applied to anywhere in Europe, so, you know, everybody was going off to college, and I was like, well, great, so I, I literally have nowhere to go, and um, I basically um, moved to UK and I worked at KPMG for a year. Um, they were offering um, like a gap year intern sort of scheme at the time. And I was in the advisory department. And that's when I kind of started learning a little bit more about finance. And I thought, well, this is really good to know, but this is not what I want to ultimately do. But this is like a really great skill set. And that's kind of why I went on to study the university. So what that, that one-year program at KPMG, it was kind of like a transaction services, like almost like a transaction advisory, what you'd call in the U.S. type of thing? Exactly. And I mean, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so did you use that to save up for university? Because the school you went to, I'm not going to say it, it's pretty expensive too. It is expensive. <laughs> um, I actually couldn't save up because, you know, I was in London um, and London is extremely expensive, obviously. And Mm -hmm. I, everybody, all the other gap year interns were from London. So they lived at home. They saved up all the money. I actually used it for, you know, food and rent. So I, I was like basically broke even, yeah. but it was really good because it was, you know, 
I do recommend to the extent that anybody can, you know, and doesn't need to be year long, it could be summer internship, even if they don't pay you, but it was just like a really good insight into, um, you know, the corporate life, I guess. And I do yeah. think it helped me. I'm surprised that's right out of high school. You don't even need a degree for that. They let you say, hey, yeah, come, yeah. you're what, 18 or 19? And you know, I was 18. There were like six of us that they took on. So it was pretty, um, unique and I do think it was a really good experience. I was um, uh, officially in transaction services for advisory, but I did a um, couple months in restructuring because I was a huge um, broker that went bust in the UK. So we had to work on that. And then I did around a, a, a month in corporate finance. So that's kind of the closest to you know investment banking that you could get. And so when you were doing that, um, is that, does that still happen today? Does that program still exist? Do you know? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's but it. Honestly, if it was me, um, I would, if I wanted to do, if I was in high school, if I wanted to do something like that, I'd just like email all of them and ask if they're up for it. It may not be paid, obviously, in that case, but even if it doesn't structurally exist, yeah. If you're if you're down for an unpaid internship, like you know, everybody likes free labor because before then, I actually, I mean, I was really working the big four, but I also spent a few months um, at Deloitte in my home country, and that was unpaid. It was extremely boring because obviously that was a really small local office. But yeah, you know, it's easy to get these things if you don't expect salary. Yeah, and then um, I'm surprised even at like a KPMG they would take on. I mean, they they did pay you. Do you remember what they paid you? Like what it was? Yeah. They paid, I mean, it was nowhere near. It was probably. Well, yeah, you have a high school, you have a high school degree and that's it. So. Yeah, it was probably um, 50, around 50% of what the new grads would get. Okay, so, I don't know, enough to pay, barely pay rent, barely pay. Yeah, it was around, it's fine, I can say, it was around, I want to say, 20,000 US dollars a year. Before yeah. Tax, yeah yeah so it's like you're really tight living in London so you were had roommates or you're like just renting your tiny yeah room. I was renting a room actually in like a big yeah. house of this landlady oh yeah it's pretty crazy like really far from central London oh god yeah you probably had to commute in right so okay so you, yeah, you arrived that year it kind of exposed you to finance and then what made you say okay well I'm gonna did you take out uh, loans for for school or did, did something happen yeah. where the financial situation changed or so for school in the UK, if you're from Europe, if you're from the EU, which, you know, now I don't know how that would work. That might not exist, yeah, but okay. The, EU, uh, the UK was obviously in the EU. And um, if you are from the EU, then you could take uh, almost an interest-free loan from the UK government. It, it's, I've, repaid, I've, I've repaid it like really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you never earn more than a certain amount of money and that, that bar is really low, it's something like, if you never earn more than 20K, then you never have to repay it. Obviously, most people who go to uni do, pay, do get paid that yeah. or more. Um, so that was really easy. And then my parents luckily could support me with living expenses. And then what was that? How much, how much debt did you take out? Was it like 50K? Oh, for the tuition? Wow. So the tuition was nine, unfortunately, 9,000 pounds a year because uh, it used to be 3,000, but then they switched like the year I started uni. Nine right? sounds really low to me. It's, it's compared to the US, of course. Compared, That's like yeah. Really, yeah. So it's really 20, and it's three years, not four. So it's 27,000 pounds of tuition of debt which is nothing compared to the 200k plus that yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you hear that in the U.S. So, okay, so you're going through your first first year immediately. You know, hey, I'm gonna. Did you think investment banking right away, or were you thinking, hey, go back to the big four, do accounting, audit? What was what was your thought process? I knew that. So, so the reason why the gap year internship actually existed is because it's precisely that's why. You know, they they tried to get people to come back as grads, and I knew that I did not want to do that because. Um, you know, when I, so my last, the last month of that internship I spent in corporate finance and that's what I liked the most, but I soon learned that the corporate finance teams within big four are going to go after these little, small, medium-sized enterprises in the UK. You know, I'm exaggerating, but these are not going to be big, sexy deals. And I was like, well, if I do this, may as well do it properly. And so Mm -hmm. I was one of those very, you know, sad, pathetic students who are very, very keen. I think this is to do with me growing up in Europe where um, people start, um, you know, going out and partying really early, like before high school, basically. And so I I, I felt like I had kind of done that. So when I joined, um, you You know- You were a mature 19 year old. Right, I was ready to go. I was like ready to climb the ladder. And so- In my first year, I was like really, really focused and, and and I don't necessarily, I think there really needs to be a balance because I do think I could have had a lot more fun and it's really, really important. I went to a college which was extremely finance focused, you know, on campus, like, I don't know, 70% of people probably want to do investment banking and I don't think it's necessarily the healthiest environment. I think it's yeah. really good to explore, but anyway, I was very focused and Again, you know, every, it was, I went to a target university and what that meant was that, you know, recruitment were all all over campus. And I went to all the, you know, Morgan Stanley coffee chat, Starbucks join us, Goldman Sachs, you know, coffee and cake Thursday evenings or something. I went to all of these and um, the bank where I ended up working at, um, I connected really well to a couple of them. Um, a couple of the women in the team and they were offering spring weeks in the UK it was called it was just a week of kind of like a shadow type you know uh, it's not really work experience because you're not working it's just one week yeah. and I landed two of those and it was you know it was so competitive like crazy and everybody wanted to get like spring weeks and like the biggest overachievers had like five spring weeks <laughs> kind of crazy and that's also right before exam you put you know? spring so, weeks on your uh on your resume oh like, yeah yeah I, like, I i don't think i have mine still i mean i hope i don't it's yeah. like but i had like so many spring weeks and like i really felt like i was crushing it and like you knew that you were doing very well if you had your spring weeks secured like really early so the term starts in october and the spring weeks are in spring obviously i feel like come december before the new year i had my spring weeks secured so you were basically the ghost of that <laughs> so here you have you said two or three kind of I had set up? Two, yeah. yeah two and then so when do they actually have in like february march so those were actually no they were in april i think in april okay so is I, I I've had enough guests from London where I think I understand. So then that turns into an actual internship over the summer sometimes. Next year, yeah. Mm-hmm. The following, not that. The following not that year. Fall. Yeah, the following yeah. year. So it's super early. It's like it's a way for them to get like in front of sophomores or freshmen even. Yes, and you know it's also. 
I mean, obviously from a security perspective, it's amazing because yeah. that first summer, uh, you know, I did my exams and I could chill the whole summer. I went and traveled and I mean, I did internships actually because that's the sort of person I was. Yeah. But I could actually have fun and not be stressed out. Yeah. And then you enter second year knowing that you've already got an internship. And some people prefer to kind of look for other things so there were some that secured banking internships but they you know wanted to try out consulting yeah. i wasn't one of them i thought you know what i worked hard for this i'm just gonna focus on other things at this point what do you mean other things like just enjoying like studying extracurricular yeah. hobbies yeah do you think do you think that hurts at all for full-time recruiting like if you once you get your spring week if that first summer when you don't have to do anything really do you think you should take advantage of it knowing and looking back I know what I would say, but if you have something secured, you just just enjoy. You know, I I think I, I I you know I think I'm the sort of person who I would never advise like you know just YOMO whatever, just like score, it doesn't matter. You can always get yeah. something, which is true. But we also live in the real world, and you want to get a job. Yeah. But on the other hand. So I think you have to be focused and try and secure things and do it at the right time because right. if you are focused at the right time, like I was, you can later reap the benefits and that's what I'd recommend. And then you can have fun, absolutely. And you can explore whatever you want. I actually went to the Middle East and I worked at an NGO. So that was just something that I liked for me, not because I necessarily want to work in that field. Very cool. So you kind of are coming up, you do your spring weeks, you get to the summer, you travel a little bit, you do kind of that NGO thing, you come back to school, you still know you have that internship at that. So it's like that whole year, you're just what, focusing on grades, having a good time, like making sure yeah, you can basically do whatever you want. Because <laughs> in the UK, when this is a double-edged sword, it doesn't work well for people like me. I structure, but there's almost no structure. There's no assignments, there's no midterms, there's- Oh, wow. Um, your, your, the final. Your, yeah, that's 100% of your grade. So it, it didn't work well for my mental health, but um, yeah, but yeah, that's what it effectively it is. But if you, but you have complete freedom, so you can do a lot of things with your time. That's cool. And so um, as you're approaching that summer, so where you ended up summering, is that where you ended up going full time? Yeah. Oh, the bulge mm -hmm. bracket. Okay. So you're yeah. kind of like um, approaching that summer what was the what did they tell you what was the communication like was it like hey we're gonna put you in this group or you didn't know until you showed up so my springing was done in tmt tech media telecoms that's where i wanted to be that's where i did my summer internship that was just kind of it was done they yeah. hired for those teams got it and i because for me i really love the people that were in the team and that's what i would always recommend to people you want the brand name yes and you want it to be what you want to do right like if you don't want to do trading don't do trading but you ultimately choose the people versus the company. So I really, really like the people. Bigger issue was that when I actually joined as a grad, most of them had left, but that's another story. <laughs> so I, I really liked um, the team. And yes, and that's when I started. And in terms of communications, they basically said, um, you know, I think there were three of us in the team interning. And they said, if you all do well, you can all get the offers. Got it. Okay. So that's kind of nice because you're not necessarily feel, it doesn't feel as competitive. It's almost like you're helping each other. And this was at a time 
a, a little bit where stuff had kind of slowed down and there, the economy was picking back up, I feel like, uh, but it wasn't like, oh no, at that point it was pretty good. So then what happened kind of when you started um, the internship? How was it, you know, once you actually arrived at the office and you had the three people, um, you know, luckily it wasn't as competitive, but um, since they said you could all get offers, but what, what was it like when you, you know, you already met the team and everything, but was it like immediately long hours? Was it like a ramp up period, a training period? What was that like? You know, I was actually my buddy. We all got assigned buddies and it wasn't necessarily the case that the buddy had to give you work, but it oftentimes happened. So, you know, cause you're with them, they have something to do with their job is to make sure you integrate, help you with any admin, etc. My buddy was amazing, amazing, amazing. She was really, really supportive of women in the workplace and just of young people. She was really, really awesome. And kind of like she, she, she was doing extremely well. And, you know, despite, um, uh, you know, she, she was someone who had a really, really good grasp of kind of work-life balance, obviously long hours, but she, you know, she, she was just a great role model in general. And so she, she, I was paired with her and she was on a really big deal. And so I, you know, from day one, she kind of put me on it to help her out. So for me, it was actually long hours from the get-go, mm-hmm. which was hard, but, you know, I'm a night night owl. I actually don't really mind late hours. I mind early mornings, um, but it was okay. You know, I, I knew it's easy when you have an expiration date, right? It's really different for you for a grad. But here I knew it was, I want to say it was around 10 weeks. So it didn't bother me and I was expecting it. Yeah. So you were going to bed at like two, three in the morning, four in the morning yeah. sometimes, and then yeah. back in the office around 10 in the morning. You're back in the office around 10. Um, And, you know, yeah, I think it's just as an intern, you don't know how to do anything. Everything's so new, but you're really off. Did you, you know, you expected those hours, but how did it feel to actually do it? Was it like harder than you expected? You know, no, because I think because of my high school experience, so I did the international baccalaureate in my home country, but there was only one school in the country at the time that offered it. And I also had to do the national diploma. So like two, I did two high school programs at a time. So I had extreme amount of workload and I did a lot of extracurriculars. And then in college, it was, uh, you know, during the year, um, first and second years, like I was really bad, actually. I, you know, I, I focused on career. I focused on the spring weeks. I focused on a lot of my extracurriculars. And when, when exams came, you know, two months before exams started, that was crunch time because that's 100% of your, you know, grade. So I'd be in the library, yeah, until 1, 2, 3 a.m. So I feel like I've always done this in chunks throughout my life. So it, yeah. it, it actually didn't shock me. Okay, that's good. I think for me, it was harder when I started full-time. <laughs> I was like, you the, yeah, I guess full-time, full-time's harder, right? Yeah, full-time's really hard. Yeah, uh, hard so- so you're kind of getting through the internship. You're doing well. You're working with uh, this. Uh, sounds like a great men, uh, mentor, and she's yeah. kind of pulling you along, giving you the ropes. You're you're probably getting faster as the summer goes on in terms of like financial modeling. Were you doing like mostly pitch work? Um, it sounds like it was an actual deal. So I do I I wasn't a deal, but I didn't do much modeling uh, at all during my internship. I think because. Um, you know, it really depends. I think in the U.S., people are 
extremely keen because it's even more competitive. And you probably, some people have heard like they know modeling when they start the internship. That was not, I didn't know how to use Excel. I mean, like when I say I didn't know how to use Excel, I mean, I didn't know how to use Excel. Again, um, in, in continental Europe, a lot of the universities have, um, you know, Excel assignments during the, you know, there's things you do some modeling actually as part of university, my university and the UK in general, it's really, really academic. There's no, I didn't have to show on the laptop, I'm pretty sure. So, um, so more, I, it was more a, theory. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you do it. Exactly. So it was a really big learning curve. Um, and I actually didn't do that much modeling. I think I did a bit. So it was mainly pitch work and that sort of stuff. Uh, from did you know you were going to get the offer? Did you feel like I might not get it, or what was your thought process? Kind of as did they give you like a feedback, some feedback halfway through, and then near the end, or was it a yeah. surprise, or were you like, "Oh, I have this. It's okay." Um, I, I I think I'm like I was born with imposter syndrome, so I feel like I never feel like oh, like I got this, but yeah. um. But like halfway, yeah, we had a halfway review and um, only feedback, like negative feedback or like critical feedback was more around soft skills rather than like, you're not, you know, that rather than hard skills. And I implemented what they told me. So I feel like. What were you, what, what were you doing with the soft skills? That wasn't. Uh... They, I mean, I actually had it later. In you're too intense. Work. You're too intense. They were saying like, um, uh, sometimes like I look really pissed off or like look really kind of like upset or basically I'm not like hiding my emotions at all. And people sometimes feel like I'm, you know, not rude, but that was kind of the, but I think it's also cultural, like in Eastern Europe. It is cultural. It's a really different mentality to the US where everyone's like, oh, nice and friendly, but then they talk you know badly about you behind your back and from where i'm from people are really direct and yeah. also explain to them is like you know i'm focusing i want to do the job i want to meet the deadlines i don't want to like chit chat in the coffee room and stuff but yeah. um so they and they got that and that was fine but i did adjust it and try to become more likable but yeah that's hilarious no yeah it's it's so true I, you know the cultural differences do you know when you're in the UK or where you're in the US or whatnot if you're coming from a country where people are more direct or vice versa it's not an easy adjustment for sure so so then okay so you ended up getting the full-time offer obviously and then so then it was just like relax again for another whole year before you start or like and then tell me about that like how you're approaching full-time and how that went um, so I started obviously the year after, um, for me, the biggest adjustment you asked me what was hard, the internship wasn't hard because you're still at uni, you know, you know, you've got, I had, you know, I climbed Kilimanjaro after my internship. So it, it's awesome. You have so much stuff to look forward to, but when I started, when training started in London, um, I think the first day, that's when reality hit me because the whole day it was, so training was the whole summer, right? And the first day it hit me like I'm in accounting, you know, I'm in this setting now, accounting, finance, banking, and there's no expiration date. It's up to me now to, if I want to exit at some point, but it, and that hit me actually pretty hard, but yeah, then went on to become extremely fun because the group of people, normally training is in New York, mm -hmm. but that one 
but then in London and like the people are really fun people from all over the world like super into diverse group mm -hmm. um and I just had an amazing time and I and I mean I, we were out like and and that was your first money we were, oh we all got a five thousand pound starting bonus if I call it that and I like for me that was like this is sick like you can go to restaurants pay like 100 pounds a meal like I thought this was amazing and we would like have the training nine to five then we'd have go home we'd have go to a sports class then we'd do um dinner in like some fancy place then we'd go out until like 3 4 a.m rinse repeat so yeah. it was really and we'd do fun stuff and I remember I was like sick the whole summer I think because just like going out yeah, exactly. Going out all the time, exactly. So funny. And so then you basically um, get through training, and then suddenly the hours start ramping. I assume that's when real life hits. You and your mentor, your mentor's gone at this point. No, my mentor was there. Luckily, my oh. mentor was. But here was the um, catch: she was doing telecoms, and I wanted to do tech. Mm. And the issue was that because I wanted to do, I always. I actually knew that I wanted to do either growth or venture capital or private equity, but something like tech investing. And so yeah. I started to um, think about it. I knew I had to do tech. And so, but the tech group within my group was actually quite underdeveloped. And um, because I actually did not go to the three bulge brackets, so Goldman, Morgan, and JP Morgan, I did not go to any of these three banks. Um, it meant that we got like, we were doing like really crappy deals in tech. Because our telecoms franchise was extremely strong. And so was our media. The head of the group was a media guy. Yeah. And it was really strong, but the tech practice wasn't. Yeah. I hope my boss from the time is not listening to this. But, um, and that meant that um, it was a lot of pitching, a lot of RFPs that you didn't win, and a lot of stuff like that. And it meant that it was a lot of smaller deals. But, that was a blessing and a curse uh, too. So I can, I can go into that later. Well, yeah. Tell me what was the blessing? What was the curse of, you know? Um, well, I'll start with the curse. The curse was that, you know, if you keep doing these like 300 million, 200 million private placements, um, you know, sell side all the time. Sometimes like oftentimes they don't even get done. This was often companies in Turkey, Israel, e-commerce, gaming, like all these you know, you, you, these aren't necessarily the best deals. So you don't, the modeling is not as intense. The modeling is not as complicated. Um, sell side materials in general are more pitchy than, you know, buy side. But so that was not good in terms of hard skills, skills, mm -hmm. technical skills. But the blessing was that um, that's exactly the sort of, um, how shall I say, that's exactly the sort of deals you should surround yourself with if you want to go into growth, because that's effectively what we were doing. We were pitching to like the, you know, uh, the growth equity groups. Omega funds. Funds. Yeah. These deals. So I, I saw, so this was a lot, you know, when I started doing my job in growth, I already knew the main, you know, metrics in, in internet, metrics and software that you would look at at this stage. So that actually helped me hugely. That's great. So you're kind of there for the first year. When did you start thinking, hey, I need to make this transition to, to growth equity? So I, I knew banking was not for me. Um, I am... Uh, 
you know, I have ADHD basically. And what that means is so I'm neurodivergent. And what that means is um, I cannot focus on, I, I physically can't focus. I can't do a job that I don't literally love. It's like impossible. It's not, you could, you know, no amount of money. I genuinely just can't do the tasks. And I found banking. Um, I love my tech deals and I really love you know, the concept of it. I, I, I always felt like I would have been a really good MD, but I just, it, it took everything out of me to work on these pitches and these sheets, you know, it was really tough. And I was really, really passionate about growth venture, basically buy side and doing tech specifically. So I actually didn't, I knew from day one that it's not what I was going to do. And, um, I started probably six months in for six months and the honeymoon period six months in, I want to say I started like networking. I mean, headhunters also were reaching out to me very, very early. Yeah. Um, there was a girl from our grad class who left six months in that she was the first one, but, um, I was definitely, and, and they were reaching out for growth equity. And actually I didn't have a good understanding at the time what that was exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I just said, yes, I'm interested in growth, but actually I was in my head thinking venture or private equity. I didn't realize growth existed actually. And what I was doing is at the time I was focusing more on venture capital. And so I would meet, you know, any spare minute I had holiday days, all that I would uh, network, you know, I would fly to San Francisco and go to tech conferences, meet people from venture funds, companies. There was no company like, are small uh that i i felt like i didn't need to meet them you know like any networking contact i would uh go on linkedin and message i started actually with gaming just because not because i thought it was a good investment category but that's kind of what i knew from work right so i would just email these gaming ceos and media company ceos you know smaller companies obviously and try to meet them. I did that in LA. I did that in San Francisco. I went to Berlin, just volunteered in some of the conferences if I couldn't like, you know, make it happen otherwise. So I tried to basically, you know, I just networked as much as possible. I was really without even consciously thinking about it. I was doing the, you have to do the job before you have the job. So I was definitely doing that. Again, blessing in a it's a curse because, you know, it does distract you from your day job. You know, sometimes, you know, I had to like, obviously you you have to juggle, you have to do your job, but then in like little breaks or whatever, you're like doing stuff on the side. So I, I, I don't necessarily recommend it. It's definitely a risk because you're going to appear not committed to your job. Right. But then on the other hand, you know, you can't blame a first or second year analyst to not be committed. It's kind of, obvious that at some point most of them leave so as long yeah. as you do the fine but I, I i just i i put all of my eggs into that basket and i just almost you know i almost even didn't even think is this strategy gonna work it's not gonna work because actually getting into venture growth is really hard yeah really, really it's actually i think harder than private equity at yeah, the there time are no seats there are no seats there's no seats and it's like, well, you, you, you come from banking and you don't even come from a good bank. So, well, it's enough, but you know, so it was really hard actually. Um, and I yeah, was, so tell me, tell me about that. So you started looking pretty early. It sounds like you're pretty aggressive in terms of building your network, which is key, but you kept 
I mean, did you enter into a lot of processes that there's recruiters were, were kind of throwing at you, like at other growth equity shops, or were you just like staying around in touch with people and then eventually like you got into some sort of process? Yeah, that's more like it. I actually yeah. didn't do any in the first year, I don't think. Okay. I think I did one, um, maybe. You did no processes the first year, you said? No processes, no. Okay. yes. Second year, I started, the second year was really like, right, I'm, I have to do this now, like, this is serious. And I didn't do any processes still, but um, I, I, I actually, it's very interesting. I, I sometimes, th there was a thought, I also had a thought about, joining a startup because I thought that would help me like a growth stage startup because I thought that would help me get into venture growth officer. So again, I actually did do some, not really processes, but kind of like interviews at growth stage companies in, in, in fintech. And I'm so happy like that didn't work out. Sometimes they were like, well, you just, you don't have the right experience just in banking. Um, sometimes because I really wanted to be in the US, they didn't want to sponsor me. But I'm so glad it didn't work out, but I'm so glad I did all those conversations because that was just, you know, really teaching me how to ask the right questions to a company. What type of roles? What type of roles were you applying for at these startups? Um, I think business development is what I was thinking. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I think business development because that's the only one almost where you didn't need to have like a technical background. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's that. tough. It's tough. So you, you're kind of finding your way it sounds like in that second year and then tell me how yeah. you eventually ended up at this mega fund growth equity shop yeah so i was actually about to i was really fed up with banking and i signed and oh okay so yeah so i was again spending all my free time doing these conversations and i was also spending all of my free time practicing the modeling side of things and all of that. And then I was in a process with a growth equity fund that I really wanted. I really liked the team and, and, and there was a new fund. I was extremely excited. And at the end, um, they basically said something like, we need to wait, you know, that's a bit of an excuse, I guess, but because yeah. they did hire a guy who later became my friend, but they basically said, we need to um, wait. And so they didn't give me the offer. And that was spring. And I just couldn't, I was like, no, this summer, I'm not going to do banking. And then I actually accepted an offer at a small fund that mainly did internet. And a lot of it actually was gaming. And I, I just got that from my contacts because again, I was, you know, really hustling in that industry. And uh, that's what I accepted. And my thinking, thinking was, well, this is not my ultimate dream place, but from that I can go to like, excel growth or index growth you know I'll, I'll kind of move up or maybe do business school and change I thought, yeah 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 like that so i accepted that offer and i went on to travel yet again i went to cuba and mexico and and the bay area again still networking and more networking. <laughs> vacation and business at the same time yeah i get it that that's me classic me um and then i got a month before i had to start i got Three funds reached out. One of them was um, Atomico. One of them was uh, SoftBank Vision, Vision Fund. And the third was the one where I ended up working. And they all reached out a month before. And I thought, 
all right, I got to fly back. I just have to see this out. I just have to see what happens. I had already prepped all everything. So I flew back. I met all of them. And with the one where I ended up working, it just immediately, I don't know, like it really clicked with everybody. And, and some of those people have left. Most actually haven't. But but some, especially there was one guy who's quite senior. I felt like he really um, saw in me the qualities that maybe other funds wouldn't see. And I think that for me was really, um, like they really appreciated the hustle, the scrappiness, because that was kind of the team um, team culture, which wasn't more so much about your pedigree and feeling entitled, but it was about hard work and et cetera, yeah. and ambition and really the hustle. So the cultural fit was great. And um, so that was a really intense two week interview process. I had interviews every day, modeling, case study, all this stuff every single day. That was really, really, really intense. And I got the offer on Saturday and I had to then call that previous firm and said, right, I'm not coming in on Monday, which How did was that really, go? how did that go? Um, you know, it was fine. I think they knew that I was maybe not necessarily overqualified, but, it, it kind of makes sense. It was fine. You know, yeah. I know her feelings, I think. Um, so it, it was all good. Um, uncomfortable conversation, but I knew in my heart that I I just had to join this firm. Like it was very hard. And it's worked out. You've been there for a long time. It has worked out. Um, I think the culture is really, really Great. And I would really just encourage anybody listening to uh, to kind of remind themselves that you everyone always says it's about the people and it sounds really cringe, but really it is about the people like this. Either you do banking. Banking is different because you have an analyst. So, well, analyst in my case, right? Class that you are close to them, but you're not, I wasn't close to my associates, VPs. It's so hierarchical, right? Like it's, you're not going to be friends with them. I think in most cases, Um, but in this case, I was the fourth person to at one, two, three, four, fourth or fifth, depending on how you count uh, to join the team. And, you know, I had two associates, I guess, a principal and a director in the team. So it was kind of like, um, you have to get along with them because you're going to spend so much time we travel a lot. So the travel, the, the, the work and, you know, it's just a lot of hours. Like even if, even though it's not banking, it's not better than banking. It's still a lot of hours. I think the travel, especially. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about more specifically hours. So what you averaged at your bulge brackets uh, bank, and then kind of how that transitioned to your growth equity job at a mega fund. Was it similar? Like, yeah, was it like 80 hours a week on average at the bull track and 90 and then it dropped to 70 or what was it like? Um, you know, it's really hard to say. I, I in, yeah. in the bank, I probably, it was probably like 100 hours or something. I mean, it was really intense. Yeah. I want to say, um, it like during the week, it was probably like three or two to three a.m.s and then you come back at like 9 30, 10, something like that, maybe. Yeah. And then Fridays, obviously, you can leave her. But so many Fridays, or there's like 10, 11. So still just, so, I mean, I had Friday. It, it was really bad. I had Fridays like 1 a.m. to then it really changed. I mean, my first year was my um, learning curve at the mega fund. Growth equity was really, really um, steep. And um, 
it was a lot of hours too on some deals, but the difference is that you aren't constantly pitching things to somebody. So the difference is that when there's a deal, you do work a lot. You don't do like 4 a.m. every day, but you do work a lot. You will have late nights. I think, um, let's say an let's say a deal which isn't like extremely rushed timeline. You could get away with maybe like 1 a.m. So, and for me, that's fine because then you get like seven hours of sleep or so. Uh, there will always be one, we always used to say like, there's always going to be one terrible week at the end. Like before you submit to the investment committee, there's always going to be an awful week. Yeah. But but max, it's one, two, three weeks. I think that differs from private equity too. So the, the bad stretch is never that bad. And then the good stretch, it's still not nine to five. I think it may be actually, if you really go to venture, the lifestyle is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still worked really hard. We were also a really small team at the time. And um, there was a lot of, you know, kind of hustle culture, which resonated with me. So I was fine with it. But then it's maybe like nine or 9.30 to say, eight or nine and maybe you have dinner at seven and then you go and work from home for a few hours and friday you can yeah. sometimes i leave at five you know it's like really it's just it's just so different because you are more in charge and yeah. again i really like this industry and i really like this job so no one is forcing me to like log in on sunday like no one's beating you with a stick but i just kind banking, of banking want- it's more like that right banking they're like overseeing everything yeah doesn't work for me you know but yeah again as i said i need to work on things i'm interested in the good thing is that like in growth of course every job is going to have parts that are boring like the admin stuff but in this job those parts are really small and then you just do them out of respect for yourself and your team because it has to get done but then the bulk of the work i genuinely think is really really interesting and um I genuinely think it's an extremely interesting job, like even money and all that glamour aside. I mean, it's just such a, an interesting mix of, again, you can't say that it's a venture or private equity. It's a mix of, you know, modeling and where I work, it's actually the analysis, the model and the operational analysis is really, really rigorous. And it's probably the most work that anyone does in growth. So there's like real focus on fundamentals, which I think is great when you're earlier in your career. But then there's also the research part of the job where you, you know, look at which sectors are going to be relevant for us, you know, today, tomorrow, and then a few years, um, research different spaces, you own the spaces, you know, in software, but but spaces within those as well. Then there's obviously the sourcing piece, which I love because I was kind of already doing that without yeah. doing it right. Um, there's the, you know, people piece where you're constantly around extremely smart, uh, kind of ambitious people, whether in your team or the entrepreneurs that you speak to or the VCs you speak to. So I just really think it's such a diverse uh, job that, you know, it, it really awesome. interested, yeah. Yeah, no, I loved I I love my time in private equity. Um, you probably get to see a little bit more exciting stuff too because it's a little bit earlier stage, which is which is yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I always actually good to start a bit later stage and then move earlier rather than starting from like you know early. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the learning curve. I know we have uh, we recently released a private equity deals process course. And we also have a venture capital course. And it's funny because when we approach growth equity shops, 
we sometimes like tell them you need both because you need like the VC, like the cap table modeling, the ARR builds, the cohort analysis, all the like that technical stuff and the term, not understanding term sheets for the fast, but you also need to build like detailed underwriting models and, you know, more like the PE type stuff and understand the deal process from like NDA through funds flow. So I'm like, do you feel like what you said, the learning curve was super steep. What was like the hardest part for you coming out of banking, going to like growth equity? Well, for me, but I'm not a typical guy. For me, actually, the the fun the the analysis was the hardest because I had never had to like really critically think about is this a good business? Because frankly, even if it was a bad business, we we're still trying to sell it. <laughs> right. Like everybody knew. I knew the MD knew, like no, but no so one thinking, cares. Yeah, thinking like an investor, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but thinking like an investor in Excel, like do the analysis that's gonna then tell you, is this a good business or not? And, you know, you have to like really use your brain and you have to, so that was a really, that was a kind of a, and, and the first, I mean, the first deal that we did was um, pretty, you know, it's like just crazy. We had like a, I've never, I had never done a cohort model like that at all. And like in banking, we also, this is bad. Like in my team in tech, we just used a lot of templates Mm-hmm. And a lot of like models pre-built. So, so honestly, sometimes you don't need to do that much. And here, you know, I had this smallish growing internet company. We had like 10 years of historical monthly cohort data. So my boss mm-hmm. wanted to build a monthly cohort model. I literally had it from like 2014 to like 2025, like monthly cohort model, like so many different product lines. It was a big mess like a big mess and that was like my that that was the project where I hit a rock bottom but then it was only up from there and that was a really big learning curve but I think when it gets better and you get a lot quicker and you get independent it just becomes really interesting because um because you have a lot more freedom and you can really think more versus just crunching the numbers you basically you know, you still need to crunch the numbers, but you yeah. can crunch the numbers and then you have some time over to think. Tell me about uh, pay. So how did it, how did it uh, trend from banking to growth equity in terms of base, base bonus? You know, you can give ranges, you don't have to give exact, but just, you know, approximately. Oh, I've forgotten the banking actually range, but I want to say that we were probably on like, 60 pounds, 60,000 pounds base. And I think bonus was like a hundred per, I mean, it depends on yourself, right? But like, it was up to, I think, um, 100%. What did you get? Did you get a hundred percent? That's a lot. Uh, it depends. I, yeah, it's a lot, but you know. Um, Cause I, from what I understand, I guess those were good years. So maybe it was, there were, there were a lot of people who got paid a hundred percent. It was good. those were good years, but actually, I just don't want to uh, disclose uh, the fine. name. But actually, my institution was doing very badly at the time, so um, we had a lot of like lawsuits and things like that. But it didn't affect the analysts as much. So okay. yeah, a lot of money. Um, and then, but uh, but it's a lot, obviously, more in growth equity. So when I started, I started as an analyst. I didn't start as an associate. Oh. I started as an I was paid, so the base was really slow. The base was like 70,000 pounds, but I, I really don't remember what the bonus was like, but I think I got like, um, the, as an analyst, not associate, 200K all in. So 130K, 130,000 pounds as a bonus. 
Yeah, something was like that, that. Did that hit in or, one or check? Maybe it was two hundred k, two hundred thousand dollars, not pounds. I think that was oh, right. okay. Okay, so but that did that hit in like one check, like a like similar to banking bonus cycle. Yeah, and in one go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then I assume that's significantly increased over the last several years, or no? Yeah, it increases a lot, but I don't. I'm not going to give specifics. That's fine. But- <laughs> That's why I always get screamed. I get screamed at if I don't ask by my listeners. Like, you got to ask pay. All I can say is if you go to a megaphone and do private equity or growth equity, like money, you're not going to worry about it. It's not going to be something that you really need to worry about. But I, again, I would just encourage people to, I guess, choose places that they, where they like to work because I wouldn't even for me, like, I really enjoy my day to day. I enjoy doing this work. I enjoy growing. And then the paycheck comes and you're like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I can afford things, you know, or whatever you want to do with it. My fund actually, I actually can't afford things because my fund, which is really great, they allow us to co invest in our funds. So many people, including me, do that, which is bad for your, you know, disposable. Uh, yeah, in the exactly in the in the near term, but it's just great, right? I mean, money is supposed to be invested, right? So, um, so that's really really cool. It's it's such it's like an, an unparalleled opportunity, effectively, to be a private equity uh investor, like quite literally, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. It's 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 a huge benefit. Yeah, yeah, it is huge benefit. So, tell me, um, did you get carry after your analyst years, or was it something where they want? No, you do not get carry as an analyst or associate. Um, do you feel like when did that's typically principal or VP or whatever they call it? Yep. Yep. Um, okay, awesome. Well, it sounds like you're in a great seat. Do you expect to you know, any any thoughts of like ever wanting to go VC or earlier stage or you know, thoughts like that or or you you enjoy where you're at? You know, it's always really hard to um you never really know how a job is going to feel mm-hmm. before you. So I'm very cognizant to think that the grass is greener and then to understand to then see that it actually isn't. I think whilst you are learning and growing and you work with good people and you get paid well, that's really rare, actually. You should stay. And, <laughs> well, I it, which obviously I don't I really like it I mean unless you have reasons but um, I think once you stop growing or you don't vibe with the people or your interests don't lie there you have to make a move but I think that you know when it's time and I don't think it's time for me you said one thing before we call the pod before we end it you had said something earlier that I wanted to bring back up you said something about being neuro- neurodivergent or um, with AD- ADHD yeah in finance, can you talk to me a little bit about that and what that's been like? Um, I know, um, at least here in the U.S., I know it's been a diagnosis that's like skyrocketed, and there's a lot of like treatments. And I know kids in college, even for studying, they're taking stuff that yeah. aren't that don't have ADHD. Um, I don't take any medication. I mean, I, I that's a longer story, but um, you know, I think it's. I wish I had been diagnosed, I guess, earlier in life because I would have. I could have understood myself and my work patterns a lot better. And I think you need adjust, some adjustments. I mean, I'm, I'm very functional, but for example, and my team is extremely accommodating. I didn't even like 
necessarily disclose my diagnosis. I just asked for these things. It's kind of, um, you know, I get like really overwhelmed. Um, like working in open plan is actually very hard for me. It's really hard for me to focus. There's too much sensory stimulation. I, I really can't get stuff done. Yeah. And it was the same in banking. So I try to like go, there's also offices. So I try to go in offices or for me, like really working from home works really good well because I can focus a lot better. So kind of mixing that with office work yeah. is obviously still the norm anyway, or things like I have a really delayed sleep cycle. So for me, initially my colleagues would sometimes um, say, you know, I would come into work late and they were kind of gave me feedback on that. And then I explained that I don't have an issue working, you know, doing calls at midnight, but I have a real issue doing calls at 8 a.m. And then they said, okay, fine. You just get here by 10 or 10, 30. like they were like, get here by 10. You don't need to, because most of the senior people come go there like early because they want to be home for the family, right? Early. Yeah. They said, get here by 10. Uh, if we need you to be in early, we'll specifically say so. If not, just, you know, get here by 10 and it's all good. And, or in general, like, I mean, I, you know, oftentimes we have a meeting, say, in Germany. And I actually, most of the colleagues, they have families, so they don't want to fly the night before. I prefer to fly the night before. Like, it's my day's ruined if I have to get up at 5 a.m. And so just having flexibility. And this isn't, you don't need to have a... Um, you know, you don't need to be neurodivergent, I think, to actually offer these things. We're all really different. And unfortunately, there's a lot of talk about diversity when it comes to like gender and sexual identity, but there is zero focus in the industry on neurodiversity, which I think is just huge because that is how you interact with the world and how you think and how you work and what your patterns are. And, you know, Oh yeah, well, two, two out of my three children are neurodiverse, so like I, I get it. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask yeah. more about it. Um, and and B, I was curious around like how you were able to deal with it and, and what you were specifically able to ask for. So that's great. Yeah, but I think in general, employers are um, more and more kind of you know accepting. Obviously, it's also a medical diagnosis, and I think it's about really about understanding yourself and what works for you. And maybe there's like, you know, obviously a professional can help you understand that and then asking for what you need because people with ADHD, you know, there's also benefits. Like I can hyper-focus on a topic like, like no other, but it's about like understanding how you work and what you need. And then I think you can get, you know, kind of a good outcome for everybody. That's awesome. No, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, the, the talk about diversity and, and also Hopefully, there's uh, not just focus on there's diversity for for neurodiverse people as well because it's a huge percentage of the population. Right. Um, so that's interesting. So yeah, anything else before we call it? Any other final thoughts? I think this has been really informative and interest an interesting one. I think the listeners will like it. I hope so. No, just um, obviously reach out to me if anybody needs more specific advice. But I think I really are you part believe- of our are you part of our mentor network? for people yes, so yeah so we can look we'll link that here in the show notes um I, I would just say i didn't come from a standard background and i'm not a standard candidate and i ended up working at a really really you know one of basically the best private equity funds out there so it's i don't want to say it's not that hard but it's actually not that hard but you have to be willing to put in the work 
consistently and 99.9% and .9 of people in the world do not do that. And that's, that's why they don't get there. Yeah, agreed on that. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a lot of fun having a, a chat with you. Nice chatting. I talk to you later. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.